Welcome to Fresh from the Esky. Subtitled Ordinary Lives, Ordinary People. Accompanied by Ordinary Production, Ordinary Editing. Sit back, grab a beer, relax and enjoy. Welcome listeners to what is episode 2 of season 2 of Fresh from the Esky. Recorded this one earlier while we're on our seasonal break with um, Joel Oysters Kilpatrick and it's also Megan Ricketts first time along as a guest compare whilst we're interviewing someone and it was actually the guest she invited on so let's have a listen and see what you think. Thank you. Hi, welcome listeners to, this is a season two episode of Fresh from the Esky. As you know, Ben is far away over in the motherland, so we've got a co-host today, Megan Rickett, our former guest. Welcome along, Megan. Thanks for having me, Ledge. No, thank you for coming along. And a very special guest, the guest you actually invited, I'll let you introduce him. The one and only... Joel, 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 Joel. <laughs> I got really nervous. Off to a nervous. great start as co already, mate. You're killing right. it. I just really call him Oysters or Jolly, but it's Joel Kilpatrick. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you were probably, Joel, yes. You were probably slurring it a little yourself last oh, night from what I've heard. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. yeah, apparently there's a few photos getting around a group chat there somewhere. And the chosen beer was Victorian Bitter, I believe. Victorian Bitter to start the day. and It is your favourite beer, Ended isn't? up on the Watermelon Cruises by the end of the night. Yeah, that is a big oh, thing, is so isn't rough. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big day. That's what the boys tend to do these days. I've yeah. been to them a couple of times at the Oxford, and what is it they have there? Their French oh. kisses or gypsy kisses gypsy or kisses. something like that? <laughs> French kisses. French kisses, yeah. Yeah, all right. That came out wrong, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. No, some of the staff. No, we won't. No. All right, Joel, are you happy to have a beer? Because we usually do that. Yeah, let's have a beer. I'm keen. All right, now, I reckon this might. You did work in WA. Is that? Oh, it's not in it's your in export, you. is it? It is, is it actually, you? yeah. <laughs> it is. Actually, it is emu export. I haven't had one for many, many years because when I was a young fella in Victoria, I don't know, you wouldn't be aware of it, they used to have a beer strike every Christmas. Yeah. So Carlton United go on strike, so we had to import beer in from over the border. Um, they used to get from WA and South Australia, and emu export was one of the ones. I thought it was crap. Yeah. But some people um, reckon it's good beer. Have you ever tried it? Haven't tried it in a few years. All right, to be we'll fair. try it and I'll see. This will be great for a hangover. I reckon. Yeah, it'll be wonderful. I think. Oh, there could be worse things. I hear the dog's great. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's still worse things. Yeah. Like watermelon cruises. Oh, I don't even <laughs> look at watermelon cruises ever again. Oh, in cans. Yeah, everything's in cans. That's it. And we've even got a stubby cooler here for you. Something. If you need a stubby cooler, you're drinking it. Half yeah. You're going to struggle to enjoy that. Hey? I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I had half a protein shake on the way over. Yeah, that's not going to go well either. <laughs> Probably ideal to have a beer chaser on. As a beer, I don't think it's improved a lot. No, it hasn't. It's not the worst thing I've drank. No, it wouldn't be the worst, but... It's very Carlton Drafty. See, I like oh, Carlton Oh, no, draft. Carlton Drafty isn't bad beer. This is... Uh, maybe my taste buds are all gone. Yeah, I think yeah, you... Actually, it's not as bad as I thought. I was going to say it's a bit more like a 4X bitter or something. No, bitters are delicious. No. Mm? 
They've changed it too, actually, for x It used to taste a lot worse than that. It used to smell and everything when I first come up here. It's a bad time. Anything heavy is a bad time. Mm. So is this heavy beer in yeah. your export? It is? Oh, or is the export 1.2. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll get into the threes on the untapped app. It'll be a, maybe a high two. A high two. Anyway, that's enough of the beer. What about Joel Kilpatrick? What's his story? Uh, what do you want to know? Actually, I don't even know. How old are you, Joel? 38. Just turned 38. So is your sister younger or older? I've got an older sister, Susan, and a younger sister, Angie, who's about seven years younger than me. Because I remember when I was coaching, it must have been your old man used to coach down at Yapoon, and there was a girl... Yeah, that was my older sister, Susan, yeah. Was it? Yep. I must have been coaching. Who was I coaching? It must have been before my kids were playing then. Because Daniel's 36, I think. Hmm. Yeah. So what, sorry, you're 38? Yeah, I'm 38, yeah. I could never work out if you play older than you are or, or not. But you probably <laughs> probably do play to your age and properly. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Standard full forward? Yeah. <laughs> Always from your poon? Like no, no. Um, oh, so my family's from Rocky now, I guess. Yeah, but because you're actually, let's say, third generation... Glenmore Bull, really, aren't you? Like, um, yeah, your grandfather was quite yeah. involved at the club, I don't know. Yeah, so he was around right at the start. Yep. So I've heard all the stories about putting teams together to play against the army when the army was in town and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and stealing toilets all. from other ground oh, yeah. and, all that, and stuff. all that stuff. But yeah, no, my mum's um, my mum's actually from a town out north of Barcaldon called Aramac. Oh yeah, I know. And my dad's from Melbourne and they met in Rocky. And that's how I ended so, up here. Oh, your dad's... From Melbourne. My dad's from Melbourne, born in Footscray. Oh, right, yeah. So that's where the yeah. football. Yeah, so my nana and pop lived in Melbourne until only five or six years ago. Oh, right, yeah. yeah I so thought you were locals. And... Yeah, and I'm born in Albury, so just up the river. Albury, yes, mm. I know Albury, yeah. I'm from Wangaratta myself, actually. Yeah. yeah. So there you go, no wonder. So the old man played footy down there? Uh, he maybe? played a bit, so he played a bit for Laverton in, um, up in New South Wales there. Yep. He did a actual, like a train and trial for Collingwood back in the day. Really? Yeah. That and he, explains um, a lot. couple of reasons why he didn't get through. He wouldn't go to training and they wanted him to give up the durries. Yeah, I he, heard. He wouldn't give up the smokes and um, Laverton would pay him better money to play football than Collingwood and Country League. Is that Laverton or Lavington? Lavington. Near Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard a few stories. Even the people up here say, as good as he was, he was, probably could have been better. It was... Oh, the amount of stories. A prodigious talent, apparently. The stories I've heard about him turning up at quarter time with his boots and a ciggy hanging out of his mouth and a cup of tea, and if you had to put some effort in, you might have been pretty good. He was a left footer, I heard, too. Yeah, ambidextrous. Ambidextrous? So, Yourself? Yeah, I haven't seen you get a kick. So. I've played cricket both sides. And Can I'm you really? Well, left foot's not great kicking footies, but yeah. So you are a right footer? Yeah, I am naturally. a right footer, yeah. Because yeah, I, I remember hearing that, you know, the story about your old man kicking 10 or something. Yeah. I think they tell that one. I don't know if he tells it probably as well. Probably no, there's a story about him telling me that it's not 10. Oh, it's 11, is it? When I kicked um, oh, that's two right. years ago against brothers, I kicked nine goals and I come off. I said, what do you think of that? He said, well, it's not 10, is it, mate? No, that's so, right. Okay. It's not. <laughs> <I suppose. laughs> yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so what age did you arrive in Rocky then? So we rolled into Yapoon straight from Albury when I was about five. That's where I started playing football. And then we rolled back out of Yapoon. We sold a house in Yapoon in... Geez, what was that, 96-ish? So as I, as I went to high school, we went back to Albury for a little while. Played a bit of footy down there again. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, and that's... Then back yep. to Rocky in um, 97. 
Oh, right, eh? school. Yeah. Yeah, so I must have must have been early 90s. I must have been coaching against... Well, well not, it was junior footy, so it's not yeah. against, you know. It was just, you know. Yeah, no. I it must have been when those pain boys and that were playing. It must have been. Yeah, I've still got a lot of memories of coming up and playing at Stanley Park and... I remember Turtle from back then, and everyone remembers Turtle because we were always yes. hang, cause obviously Ross and Dad were mates, so we were always yeah. hanging around each other at footy. And I played for Pern, and he played for Glenmore, and Jason Dunnett as well. Holy so that's right. Him. And Turtle's older brother? Uh, no, I don't remember much of him. Um, I've been playing too. He's an older brother. Yeah, I think yeah. Zane just. I've only, Zane, I've only right. got Zane, mem- right. memories of Zane from basketball and drinking while Turtle was playing. Mm. That's the only time I've seen. Zane. Zane at the park. Actually, I haven't seen Zane. Yeah, I think he even may have played a bit of reserve grade footy. He did a little with bit. With us later on, I think, I think too. he dabbled. Dabbled. Yeah, word, I think that's dabbled. the word. He dabbled. So, who, so you played with Lavington down there? No, too? I played no. for um, Xavier College team and then um, we Tigers. Yep. Uh, Richmond Tigers? Yeah. Colours? Yeah. Yep, so I only played a few games for them. We were down back there for probably the well, best part of nine, ten months or something, so... Yeah, and what was that for? Sorry to finish off for you. So Dad got a job back down. There. Oh right, so moved yeah. back down there with him, and then he got a job back in Rocky because he couldn't get a job up here. So he prefers Rocky, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is. And plus, your grandparents. Well, were Pop, up here. Pop wasn't here at that time. He was just retired, so he was him and Nana were still in Melbourne. So yeah, but you know, this is always home for my mum and. So pretty transient, there. really. Yeah. Up and around. And oh, until the last twenty years, when I've been. Yeah, Rocky, you've been. You know. Well, no, you you've worked in I've WA. Worked yeah. yeah, didn't you? Like you were working a big roster over. Yeah, fly and fly out. I was doing twenty eight and seven. Twenty eight oh, and seven. Yuck. Yeah. Really. Two years. Yeah. We're not allowed to do anything like that in Queensland coal mines. Twenty eight. Yeah. How many days off do you get in twenty eight days? Uh one in the middle. Yeah. So you work thirteen, have a day off, work thirteen, fly home on your last day. Yeah. What, where was that, sorry? I'm doing... Uh, so that was a, it's a place called Cape Lambert, so it's a Rio Tinto iron ore port, um, about an hour and a half north of Karapa, so pretty much straight across from us. And you're a HV electrician, is yeah, that right? Lucky, yeah, 12-hour days? Uh, 16, huh. 18, most days. Yeah, so we were, I was part of a commissioning crew, so we were, we came through like sort of after the construction and started like, commissioning and getting things up and running and... Um, Part of our KPIs was to meet certain dates for the plant. So you know, first ore on the on the um, stockpile, first ore on the boat, all that sort of stuff. So if yep. we needed to get there, we needed to get there, and that's how we worked. That that's huge hour, wasn't it? Yeah. Without being looking into too much, you must get paid well to do. You'd want to get paid well. Yeah, to do the that. money was there, and that's that's why you're there. But that's a lot of hours. Yeah, I'd come home and like oh, Containing convention, when I come home the first two days and my days off, I just sleep. By time and then and you'd have so seven off, so you'd have two you'd be sleeping for, yep. four you'd be home, and then they'd be preparing to go back again. Yep. And then one's travelling, yeah. Gee, that yeah. sounds rough. It does, doesn't yeah, it? We yeah, used to, we used to talk about the emotional roller coaster that you go through where you're, you're sad going back to work, and then you, in the middle you sort of have this realization that you're just here to just do the job and get through it and those middle two weeks are sort of pretty good and then you get that exciting really draggy yeah. last week and then you're on the plane home and then as soon as you land you're like oh fuck I've got to go back yeah. that's, so, si- that's similar to us on a seven days out yeah. there I can only imagine 28 of, I yeah I don't think I could do that I couldn't do it now I didn't have kids like I was married but I didn't have some, you know, yeah. so it was pretty tedious hmm. and I suppose it was a, a means to an end at the time like yeah, you well, 
weren't planning on plan. staying there for 20 years, I presume. I set out with a 12-month plan to go there and make some money, and I ended up there for the best part of two years. I wanted yeah. to finish the project off, and then I didn't want to leave there before I got another job as well, so I just kept going back. And um, Stanwell's recruitment, I, about six months before I left there, I started getting recruited by Stanwell, and it took that long to get on and, and do medicals and stuff like that, so I had to try and fit it all into my roster. I suppose that would be part of it, though, being involved from the commissioning stage to getting it up and running. It would be a bit of a pride in being oh, yeah. involved in it and wanting to see it through to the end yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And um, yeah. Like once you hit those milestones, it's really like it's a really good feeling. You you feel like you've achieved something, even though you're just making money for someone else at the end of the day. But it's still an achievement. It's good. Oh, definitely. And yeah. there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff that goes with that as well. So you end up like... A lot of that commissioning stuff that we did, you know, you find a lot of the first faults. And, you know, well, one of my favourite ones to tell people about was, so you have, you've seen a big ship loader. Yep. So basically a conveyor goes up onto a tripper, goes out over a ship. So the first one we commissioned of them, um, we set the brakes on the electric motors wrong. But we didn't set them, they spec them wrong, and then we set them to what they should be, and they they reacted wrong. So instead of pulling up in four metres where it should pull up, it pulled up in 40 centimetres. So the guy loading the ship was travelling in it. First time he hit the brakes, threw him across the room into the wall and knocked him out. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, those, those sorts of things. Oh, it wasn't fun for him. But no, it wouldn't be. Interesting for us. Gee, I imagine if that happened these days, that the site would be shut down for three weeks while there's an investigation into what happened and that. Yeah. And everyone would be panicking he's going to sue us for something, and which he may have done. I don't oh, know. really, it's still the Wild Wild West, mate, over there. Yeah, things have changed a lot in the time. I think even over here things have changed a lot. I've only been in them, but that undisclosed mine site for 10 years and I can't believe how much things have changed here. Like, yeah. We've jumped ahead a bit anyway, so skipped. you did your school in, in Yapoon? Yeah, so I went to uh, Turangabar State School. I got, started off at Yapoon State and then I ended up at Turangabar State School. I uh, finished up there, obviously, and I said I went down to Xavier College in, in um, Albury and then I came back and finished my schooling at the Grammar. Yeah, the Yapoon education to a rocky education. Yeah. No. Terrible. But grammar. Yeah. Don't, what's wrong with like? I just prefer public schools, personally. Not that I had a choice, but... No. I, well, all my kids are publicly educated. They turn I, out I just, all right. Well, I just think... I just like the idea of a public school myself. I don't know. But, it, I don't know, some people feel a private education is better. I don't know if it is, though, is it? It's not like you don't misbehave and get up to just as much uh, shenanigans. I do think, like, the, the quality of the schooling is... Uh, is right up there and especially now at the grammar like you look at the grammar and the mm. facilities they have for their students like if your if your kids half good at any football or anything yeah. like that that's that's where they need to go and if they're cluey it's a good feeder opportunity not, i guess yeah not poo-pooing it like um emmaus is a good school as well my wife went to emmaus both her brother and sister went to emmaus and they're doctors and engineers and whatever else and what why would there be more opportunity at a private school are they better teachers more opportunity yeah. So more opportunity to learn because the teachers actually feel like the people that are there are actually learning. They're, they're not just going to school because they have to go to school. Mm. A lot of the time when you get the pe- kids to go to the grammar, they're under a lot of pressure to actually perform because they're getting costing them a lot of money to go there. They're not just getting pushed out at the door. And the Some other, of them are just there because they want them out of home, aren't they, though? Oh, yeah. But then you get, um, you get the borders as well, which brings a whole different country feel to it. Yep. But those kids are very driven too because mum and dad have put them there. They want them to do good and they want them to do their work and there's obviously repercussions if that doesn't happen for them. So, mm. yeah, I felt it was, a, like, it was an interesting sort yep. of a, a setup. But now with their, their facilities and the state of the art, like you can't 
compared and dirty up the school in Rocky. That's the... It's a huge campus now. The grandma. It's, it's yeah. huge. They've got like, this big facility. There's like a big facility now that like they've got two... I think they've got, you know, those big ass fans they call literally called that. I think they've got indoor sports centre where there's two of them in that and then they still have all the other facilities that they had prior to that being built. So I know that's an option for people to train and if they wanted to hire it out. Because I know they do hire it out. But yeah. yeah. It, is, it is, I think, from a sporting perspective... Like likes of St. Brendan's and all that, they've got connections with people yeah. who... Yeah, St. Brendan's definitely. St. Brendan's it obviously is a, is a feeder for, for league and grammar's a, um, a major union kind of aspect as well. I guess uh, if you do have someone, like a kid, who could definitely try and get a scholarship or something like that, I think that's the upside that a private school can provide, I guess. I suppose, yeah. I did see a, something about some Sydney private school, 45 grand a year for tuition now. Like, yeah, I'd want where, something. That's where my nephews are going, so that's Joey's. Oh, you want to make sure they bloody apply yeah, so themselves. My hey? brother-in-law went to Joey's. His theory on that is worth the money because of the contacts. He said every job he's ever got outside of since he's come out of school has been because of the old boys club. That's how he got his start. I shouldn't say every job he's ever got. He's obviously very good at what he does now, but he, that's how he got his start. And then you see his group of friends and they've all done very, very well for mm. themselves. And when you speak to them, then they're no brighter than you or I. Like they yeah. just, they've just it's had a, network. a lot of opportunities. But they were talking about boarding their kids. Actually, that might have been a board yeah. at two. I presume for 45, you'd think it'd really be boarding kid, as yeah. well, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, that's a lot of money. But two kids, 100k a year. Oh that's my right. Days. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll be copping up that sort of money for my kids, but I think they'll, um, they'll excel wherever they go. So, with your private school education, mm-hmm. you went and became a tradesman anyway? No, not really. Um, no? No. Oh, you don't consider a HV a trade? No. But better than a trade? No, well. I didn't start my apprenticeship till I was 24. Oh, didn't you? No, so I fluffed around. So, I worked at the um, West Coast Trucks, it used to be back then, and it's now Brandon Hurley, or whatever it is now, out there. For As sales or mechanic? Just or? like, I was, did a traineeship in the store out there, and then yep. I went up and did parts sales. And then I left there and went back to Melbourne for a little while, um, for about six months. And when I came back from Melbourne, I worked at the youth hostel, picking up backpackers and dropping them off to the airport and the bus stop and all that sort of stuff oh. and cleaning rooms. And yeah, after that, I then I went... So your education was really being put to use at this stage in life? And then the next step was actually grammar school related. So um, one of my friends that I went to grammar with, his dad was actually one of the big bosses of the Department of Primary Industries. Oh, yeah, and he got yeah, me a gig yeah. out there in um, the bull breeding program. Yep. Not careful. <laughs> so my, my job was to fill up all the um, the sperm canisters with liquid nitrogen. Yep. Not with semen, with liquid nitrogen. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Disgusting. I love how you to justify that yeah, straight yeah. away. Oh, mate, the amount of people I've told that I did that job, and they're like, what? <laughs> Looking after bull sperm. Hey, we used to... Um, Used to use a lot of liquid nitrogen when I worked out um, a machine shop in town here. And, yep. um, we used to get them containers, canisters from there. And that, anyway, they made us eventually buy our own canister because apparently they were um, we were getting canisters, sending them back, and they were refilling with the bull sperm and that. And apparently, somehow, being in a work environment, we'd infected the canister and they were getting um, killing all the sperm off, like making them infertile and all that. So they said, no, nah, you've got to purchase your own and get it filled up all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because it's the, quite useful. One of the girls know. that played for us back in the day, one of the, uh, I think the second American that ever played for us, Danny. That's what she did. She was she was the one that was taking care of the breeding service. Yeah, she was part of the breeding service. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. 
interesting stuff. Yeah, so once I did that, then I ventured off to WA for the first time. So I went to Dampier, which is near Caratha. Um, worked at a gas plant there, doing some, they were building a new, um, they call them trains, so the big super trains. Yep. So I worked there for nearly 12 months. So you still haven't got a trade at this still time? Still haven't got a trade at that time. Yep. Um, my mum's husband actually got me a, a gig over there. So yep. it was all right. It was three in one. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Lived in Point Samson, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Is that on the coast? It's, um, yeah. It's like a fishing port right in the, just north of Carafa there. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Lived there with mum and her husband and um, my stepbrother. No, it was a really good time. Like a year over there was really cool. Interesting. Um, interesting work. Pretty dangerous place, but pretty interesting and then lucky enough to score one of my days off I went and did an interview with Ergon I actually applied for about 40 diesel fitter jobs because I wanted to be a diesel fitter that was yep. back of my mind and I applied for one electrical job and I got the Ergon one there so, you go and that was a pretty big turning point I think for me yeah yeah a bit. what a place yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very sought after trade actually too isn't it with with Ergon I mean I know there's yeah. different they were saying, Routes to it, there's linesmen and all that you can go to. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, the year we applied for it, so myself, Sam and Tim got on, three of us got on. There was actually, they said something around the mark of 2,000 applicants for those jobs. So absolutely, you just ask and you wait through it. Whoever gets it, just ask through it. Like, yep. You've got no qualifications, no one's got the quals. So once you get in there, you sort of go into either substations, um, test section, and then you can move into your sort of like, I did um, months with customer service going out and fitting smart meters or going to um, shocks and tingles, those sorts of things, line incidents, you know, some some good ones, like some just go out and replace a meter and others where a truck's backed into a pole or whatever and the line's on the roof and you just got to pull fuses and stuff. So a um, bit of a variance of, of stuff there to do. Yep. They sent us out with um, household electricians as well as free labor. Oh, yeah, right. As part of your well, learning of your trade. Yeah, absolutely. Once you come out with a ticket, you you can do that stuff. So you need to have been out there and done it. Um, that was a real eye-opener for me to realise how good working at Ergon is. Climbing through someone's ceiling in the range on, you know, 40-degree day. No, I that's, say, that's not for got, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I finished my apprenticeship there and I yeah, basically stayed for about 12 months and whipped off to WA. Who did you go there with, not with Ergon like? That's a separate... To Western Australia? Yeah. So I was working for a company called Southern Cross Electrical Engineering, and we were basically... A, it was like a skilled sort of contract, so they had the contract for the um, main work, and they asked them to put some guys on, so I ended up working for... I was working for Ski, but actually contracted to Sinclair Knight and Mertz, which was the um, principal contractor, basically. Right. So you got that here, like that... You applied for that job over here? Yeah, so... I'm lucky enough that it wasn't any of my um, doing that I got it. I'm lucky enough that my mum's husband was the big, big boss over there at the There's time. these contacts, contacts, Bloody contacts, isn't it? Hey, networking, yeah. And, um, yeah, he rang me up and he said, hey, if you're looking for a change, we're looking for commissioning guys with um, high-voltage experience and they're pretty hard to come by. Do you want to come have a look? Yeah, for sure. So, so the trade's been great for you. The oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's been... Um, bit an eye opener but it's been like I mean otherwise you would have been still milking bulls or something yeah oh who knows mate like no, I, honestly I can um, put every like where I'm at now back to that one turning point that phone call saying hey you got this apprenticeship and yeah. gives you something to focus on you know mm. so had you played footy much no so I stopped playing when I was about 14 when we came back from Victoria so basically once I left Albury I just gave footy up and I started playing soccer because all my friends up here were playing soccer and I um I did pretty well at soccer because I was goalkeeper, so I could kick it 
50, 60 metres and no one else could kick it as far as me and, and I could catch as well. So, catch, yeah. Well, I was probably regretful that I went into soccer. Like, I love my footy now and I'm, I've missed out on sort of, you know, those years of 15, 16, 17 where your body's still in really good neck and you've got the skills and, you're, you know, and you can still run your guts out. Um, but I sort of didn't come back to footy till I think I was like 20, 21. Oh, might yeah. have been 21. 2008, I played my first game for Glenmore. 2008? Yeah, so what does that make? That would have been 20, oh, yeah, 14. I would have been 24, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so coming into your prime, actually, but you hadn't played. No, I hadn't like, played. Physically, would, it, would you say that's your prime? 24? Yeah, 26. 25. I wasn't even playing Aussie Reels when I was 24. No, but as an athlete. As an athlete. I, I believe yeah. at, at any sport, you're prime somewhere between 24, 28 when you have the knowledge. Yeah. The skills, kind of, and you still got the I was early 30s, physical attributes. I yeah, I, I'm yeah? a late bloomer, I would probably say, yeah. to, to sport when it comes to like being actually slightly competitive at it. Like, there's there's a line where you play it socially, and then you can think, actually, I might be pretty handy at this, or you know, I could be at the top level of yep. my competition. And I don't think I hit that until I was at least maybe like, probably 27-ish, 20, 28-ish. I suppose actually of, probably the physical... Thing has moved further because people train differently and yeah, yeah. Hard, not harder but smarter. I think now, yeah, like you know, like I would have AFL football or VFL footballers used to be retired about thirty-three or four. Now they're playing till thirty-eight, yeah. you know, and things like that. And some of them are like Pendlebury and guys like that. They're still in their prime. They're still and, fit as fit yeah. Also, yeah. Like, it might be different for girls actually, only because they can start playing physical sport at such a younger age in comparison to we weren't, weren't able to play any yeah. contact sport until we were, you know, way yeah. into our, like, l- yep. going towards mid-20s before it was really able to be playing it from a high school age and everything like that. That's why I feel like I'm a bit of a late bloomer when mm. it comes to sport yeah. with physical contact or anyway. Well, any sport. Were you always at Frenchie? Were you at Nimbra? Were you for soccer. Yeah. Berska. True. So I played for Berska till like 2004 or something and then after a couple of Wesley Halls oh we, here we go we ducked over to Frenchville and I think I played my first game for Frenchville in like 2017 or something in a third grade thing. Oh, so dear. was it more just a social thing by then yeah it was, it was so the Wesley, social so, that, that's, that. <laughs> so what we did that's their FA Cappers and the Wesley, is it the knockout of yeah the Wesley Halls the, the actual local. like it's our local oh league. it's the premiership yep. oh, yeah. um, but the one on one in 2017 they call it the community cup and uh, one of my mates that I used to play soccer with when we were a lot younger, he put together a team, and um, I think it's basically a older person's third grade. And this team he put together was majority of guys had played first grade the year before, and it, we just we were absolutely yeah. pummeling everyone. It was lots of fun. No, you probably didn't play that grade the following <laughs> year. They made you go up a grade, or you just no, quit? no, no, we just quit. That was it. <laughs> that, was it. that was enough. Yeah. So, uh, 2008, I think, um, I moved in with Billo, Josh Billing. Oh, yeah, Josh, yeah. And um, we are just out the back having a kick one day, because he's a South Australian boy, and he said, we should go out and play some footy. Fuck, right, <laughs> We went down and trained. Once again, more. you've got connections with the Bulls, of course. Well, I asked Dad, I said, who should I go play for? Because at the time, like, um, I think Daryl would just moved back over to Panthers, and he said, no, go play for Wondell, mate, don't don't go to the Panthers. No, I, was like, I did have thoughts of going back to Yapoon because Yapoon Junior and whatever else. And I was like, ah, couldn't be bothered driving down the highway every day to every two days a week, you know, to go train. So that was a good decision for you. Very good decision, yeah. mate. So yeah, rolled into Wandle, and I think who was coaching then? Woozy, I think. Yeah, Dean, Dean Woosman would have been about then. Yeah. So yeah, rolled in there, 
started playing a bit of first grade and on the wing. You wouldn't believe wow, it. Wow, mid. Are you serious? All 65, oh, we, we were slow. We were all slow 65 day. kilos <laughs> of me back then. Oh, my days. Lighten up the wing. I don't think I've ever seen you play outside of the forward line. No, I don't. That's why. <laughs> That's why. So when do all the knee injuries start? Was 2009. That, was it? Yep. So I did... I did, can't remember the 65 kilogram. No. I must have been taking too much notice that year. So, yeah, 2009 I got into the gym a bit and I put in a fair bit of weight, a fair bit of size. And um, Boyne Island went to, I went to stop as I was handballing and I put my foot in a crack in, in the centre of the ground and my foot slipped forward and my knee locked out. Yep. And oh. I pushed, pulled my whole knee through my, through the front and I actually got, there was a bit of a blue after because I just went down like a sack. I just, I'd never done an injury before in my life. And um, old mate, I can't remember his name from Boyne, actually came back and spat at me. Oh, that'd said, be what? He said I didn't, didn't even, because he thought I'd gone down saying I got hit late or something he's like I didn't even effing touch you mate and spat at me and I was like bro I'm in so much pain I don't even give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck off <laughs> and, um, sounds yeah like, maybe like straight in the cricket pitch there too and is it the yeah. same field we play on now yeah, yeah, yeah it's cricket a shock pitch. of that cricket pitch so that was it for that right knee it was gone and then yeah 2012 I did my left one same so, way no different way I was actually um, doing my capstone at TAFE <laughs> And I squatted down to... Um, what, what's that, sorry? Uh, capstone's what you do at the end of your apprenticeship to... That's your, like, sign-off testing. Oh, right, eh? Yep, yep. Um, I squatted down to test an oven, and I went to stand back up, and my knee went crunched and locked out. Ambulance came. Because um, <laughs> I have to send you in an ambulance, because it's a work it's injury. Work, yep. Work is comp, though, at work least. Work is comp. Um, <laughs> and what I'd done is I'd torn the middle of my meniscus up into, like, what they call it, a bucket tear. So the meniscus had come up and on looks like a bucket, right? And that was getting caught in the joint. So when I went and saw the surge and whatever else, I said, why, why did this happen? Like, I'm not overweight or anything. And he said, Joel, you've done your right knee. You haven't had it fixed again. Yeah, so you're... And you're, you're putting all your weight on your left knee and yeah, you've destroyed your left one. So yeah. I was like, well, let's do both. I like, no, thanks, we'll just do one. <laughs> uh. And yeah, that's my... That was it. For me, I didn't play again until... 2011, I played a little bit. You only have wall ovens in the house now? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2011, I played a little bit. Uh, 12 and 13, a little bit again. And then 14, obviously, premiership year. That's when I was in um, Western Australia. 13, 14 for most of that. But it was good. I came to footy every, nearly every time I came home. It was, it was good. Yeah. Good I way to catch up with everyone and just have a bit of a yarn. And I remember seeing you around a fair see, bit. Sort of see everyone in the same place there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Came back to the club in 2015 when I came back to Stanwell and just been mucking around since then, really. This is history. Yeah. And now you're coaching. Yeah. Coaching um, coaching the women's again this year. And how's that going? Good. I love it. Did you, did you coach our reserve? No, this no? is my first coaching gig. This is your first coaching gig? Straight into group. women's football, yeah. Yeah? Different? Oh, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like angels. Ab- absolute <laughs> eye opener, mate. Um, yeah. Why? What? What? What is the different because I mean I won't take I know you played a bit of yeah just yeah no no side. um so I didn't at the start I didn't really have an interest in doing it to be honest I pretty much talked into it and I thought oh as a personal development thing for me like being a supervisor and whatever else at work I, I'm good at talking to a lot of guys and, yeah. and I, I find you a bit of a leader at the footy club like I especially when I've seen you play reserves you're a guy that talks and yeah, yeah. And, and that line I guess I saw it as a bit of, yeah, like I said, personal development for me, a bit of an opportunity to grow and step outside my comfort zone. A couple of things that I wanted to achieve from it as well. So 
the first one was obviously I wanted my goal last year and I sort of got a bit snuffed out on it as the year went on but just to try and bring the actual standard of football up a little bit like I know we've got a really high quality we well we have for the last 10 years had really high quality teams but the then goal is to see them playing a different type of football that's not just the kick and hope football and get a bit of structure to it you saw your Pern do that in the women's last year with their zoning last year Wallen came in changed their zone set them up and they went from not very you know they weren't much to actually a really high quality team obviously they did some recruiting as well but yeah you got to give it to that Wallen guy I mean, yeah he, he I don't know what he got was the senior coach, but he was the men's, and then he goes across, and I think that was only his second year of coaching the women. It was his first it? year, I think. First second. year, was it? was it? Second, second year. Yeah. So the first first year, you could tell, I think, the first half of the season, they were just kind of ch- working out what would work, and then as the season progressed towards the end, you can tell they are going to be something to, to reckon with, and then this, oh, yeah, I think, they, I think they were on their way up, and then I think he took over, and then he had a season against them. We beat them in the semi, in the grand, grand final. final yeah. And then you can tell, like, their yeah. pre-season was going to be vicious the, the, the because they obviously... Theater, yeah. They, 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 were just hung, they were just super hungry. Like, yeah. they, if there was another quarter of a game in that grand final against us, I reckon they might have nearly had us. Yeah. Because we were running out of legs. Yeah. I know I was shot. I was done last quarter of that game. But, yeah, what he's done with, with that club as a men and women's coach. Yeah. Some of the stuff I've heard too, like they, he t- he's taken a fair bit of the fun out of it for him. And that's one thing I'm really careful of not doing is I, I want girls to come and have a, have fun, enjoy being at footy because that's what I like. I, I like training. <laughs> right. Just Footy training was... I genuinely preferred footy training to actually playing games of football. Yeah, I, I think I found that's when I was ready to quit yeah. playing is when I stopped enjoying training. I used to love going to train yeah. I used to get many more touches of training than ever got in a oh, game absolutely yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. a heap of snags but, um, I think that's about the time when you think well maybe yeah. I'm not enjoying this as much but no well I was still enjoying it um, I was still enjoying playing but I did my knee I did my left knee again in the Boyne Island preliminary final the year we made the granny whatever that was 2021 mm. so that ruled me out and I was done yep and then I went to the physio and they wanted to chop it open again so basically I've just all my meniscus that I'd sewed and repaired, it's all just came out the side. So the doctor wanted to trim it up, and um, my wife's sister is actually she's like a physio doctor, whatever. Anyway, she looks after the Wallaroos, so she's pretty. She knows yep. the shit, and she said, "Joel, if you're not going to play footy again, you won't have to have surgery. You can just do some physio work, and but you need to tell yourself that you can't do the contact stuff anymore." Yeah. So if you. So that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you can play. Sport as like you could go and play tennis, could you? Or? Yeah, I played a bit of tennis, and yeah, I played. It's just you can't. I played uh, against Gladson last year, filled yeah. in for Higo. Like I just played a game, but I didn't feel. You don't feel right out there. Yeah, you're always worried about it. You can't can't ever be yourself again. Yeah. yeah. So the coaching's a good way of continuing your. Yeah, mate. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, the other thing I get out of it is I get to go and have a kick as well. And yep. that's like I love to join in the drills, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's good for them, I think, as well, to see like me drop a mark or whatever, and realise that you know, everyone's everyone's making mistake. Even the coach looks like an idiot sometimes, you know. So, um, but yes, yeah, strategically, I've got a little bit to learn coaching wise. The girls are really good last year. It was a really tough year. Um, a lot of injuries. Like that was the most injuries I've ever seen a team copping ever. Um, you know, there was at one stage there I was trying to pick a team, and I had fourteen girls on my injured list. 14 probably would have been starting. You know, 
makes it pretty hard to win a game. And near the end of the win. season, we had a few, yeah, had a few. surprises mm. with um, some little ones on the way. So yes, well that's always definitely, going to be definitely, a thing with definitely girls, not a job that I would. Because I've been asked if I would ever coach if I once I stop playing, would I ever coach? And I don't think I could. I could probably be an assistant, but yep. I don't think I could be a head coach. I could be an assistant or like someone in the coaching staff, but I would rather umpire Aussie Reels than go into yeah. Like yeah, a head sure. coach position. I, are, are there any women coaches in our league? In the women's football? Um, Tamara Kramer is one of the coaching staff for the women. Yeah. Um, I believe she might be one of the assistants, but I know mm. they've got a huge coaching sort of set up. Because that eventually, I presume, that's what will happen. I'll have women coaching yeah. the women, I suppose. Women can coach I, the men, actually, I suppose. Yeah. Have I, to, I, I wouldn't... Like, it's already mind. happened in North Melbourne. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having a women's coach, but I'm I'm old school, like... You, so you I, prefer? I prefer being coached like any other player, regardless of gender. Yeah. I, but I'm pretty old school when it comes to being coached. You be forceful with me, and I I get it. That and I only take it if you're going to be harsh to me. It's only because you care, yeah. not yeah, because right. you think I'm a dickhead, which is probably you know eighty percent of the time of training. But I can't see that being an issue with a women's coach. Women can be very bitchy. What do you mean? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't see how that... I mean, look at women, girls at school. They're the nastiest thing. So I don't think a woman coach have any trouble being hard on other women, would they? Uh, it's just... I think, I think it just... Open communication, I think, in any sport and any relationship between a coach and a player needs to be just as is and be professional as well. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. It's kind of hard because got to admit being female we can be a bit high like up and down um you know, you don't, know you don't yeah, yeah yeah in the nicest way possible edge um but it's like you know you don't know joel wouldn't know what he was coming into every training because like randomly would start talking about cycles or stuff like that and he's like yeah. <laughs> he just I'm going to walk away a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Walk away. <laughs> like, um, but it is it is yeah it is a task for a bloke to come in to never have to coach a women's side or understand like what a dynamic of a women's team is. Oh, I can imagine it would on. be. It must be different. It must be. Oh, like, again, I probably wouldn't want to coach a women's side. I'd rather coach a, if I was going to coach, it'd be a men's side versus a, a women's side. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I actually prefer coaching the women. Yeah. I reckon I would prefer I would prefer to coach women than men, because uh, like there's a real difference in culture there too. Like the ones that do come to training all the time, they're actually there to train, not mm. just for the beers or whatever. So you know, a lot of us, a lot of a lot of guys at the footy club hang around the footy club because that's their excuse to go have a beer on the Saturday, and they they might play a game of resies here and there. Whereas the women's is completely different. They they're there. They want to play. They want to improve. Oh, I do think the women. So I think when we had you on, Megan, I I wasn't against it. I just thought really. We have enough dramas at a footy club as it is without worrying about getting a bunch of women, but they've been a credit to themselves and the club. It really, yeah. I think they've actually shown some of probably our reserve grade fringe players that this is what you should be doing. You know, just like you say, we've got, we've always had guys that just turn up on a Saturday expecting a game. Yeah, might turn up one in four Saturdays thinking, oh well, I'll get a game. Yeah, no, you you'd like to get it to a stage where no, you won't, mate. If you come mm. to train them, but of course. Because you're fielding two sides, forty odd players. Quite often they do get a game because yeah, no one else. Or if you're 17, you might get two games. Like even yeah, that's right. Yeah, back to back to back. Yeah, and I mean that's even challenging for me with one team. Most of the year last year we played with 16 or 17 mm. players. We didn't, you know, we had one or two on the bench max. Yeah, you know, and then some weeks I had five. Yeah. So you just didn't know what you're up against, and um, 
you know, some girls, like, obviously we got a lot of police officers, ambos, and they're all on different shift rosters and whatever else. It's, it's pretty yep. challenging to try and juggle that. Yeah. Um, so where do you get your, where do you take your coaching from? Who have you, who have you had as a coach that you think, well, I'll take that? Um, Woozy is probably one of the best AFL coaches I've ever had. Really? Yeah. But uh, there's a guy that used to coach me at soccer called Brad Smith, and he was I always, know Brad, yeah. yeah, you know Brad, yeah, yeah, Timmy Grantell and him. Used oh to yeah, yeah. Mates, yeah, yeah. So he's um he was always very straightforward, no bullshit. You know, he would tell you if you if you weren't going to play this weekend, he'd just tell you. Like, yep. You know, if you weren't doing enough, he'd say, look, mate, you got one more game. Um, but the training sessions were fun. They're always different, and they're always quick and hard. And I think that's the key. For me, that's that's what I like about footy. I like going there, having a quick hard train session, get out again, go home, see your kids or whatever, but you've done your work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's... And I presume even in... I suppose it's different in AFL levels, but yeah, you've got to make it enjoyable, otherwise people don't want to do it. Or, I mean, I suppose in that level they're getting paid so much money, but by the same token, they're not going to get out of it what they should if they're not enjoying it either. Like, no, that's you know, right. And, you wouldn't want to stay anyway. You'd probably want to go somewhere else. No, that's right. Enjoy. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. ride the season out and then see what your other options are. And in saying that too, like coming up with new drills and that sort of thing to try and keep it fresh, because you don't want to turn up and just do the same thing every week over and over and over again. What's wrong with circle work? Yeah, circle work. Circle work. I'm so glad. Fortunately, I think only this year is probably the first time we would have had the opportunity to do circle work, but sometimes never had the numbers to yeah. actually do the circle work. Really? God, I always. Look at you, and you always. I thought had good numbers. Another being yes, export. Please. Um, another one, Megan. Yeah, go on. Thank you kindly. I think the numbers are pretty good for training majority of the time. You know, you, you get a bit down when you see ten or eleven girls turn up. Mm. We get that for two men's team. Exactly time, when that's half your, that's that's half your players. Yeah, there, and that's that's pretty big effort if they if you're getting ten or eleven most times. It's it's pretty good, mm. but it's always the same same consistent ones. That, you know, the other girls, the shift girls come in and out and that sort of stuff. And yeah, but that, that's what your base of... Yeah. That's what you need, don't you? You need a, a base, and that, that's a good group for one team of girls. If you've got 11, that yeah. you're going to be there every week, and you get another five or six that are there every second week, and yeah. you know, it makes a big difference. Right? I think it, it made it interesting for me because I had to come up with drills because all the drills on you were for, like, 30 players, you know, from senior footy. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, well, I can't do that full field drill where three people run down a wing and then three people run back. Cause we're, not, we're not, you've got to share the field anyway. Yeah, you can't do any right. full field things. Yeah, that's that's another challenge, but yes. we'll work our way through that. Yeah. What else does Joel Kilpatrick do? Plays golf? Used to, to play golf? A standard? Tries to play Used golf? Used to play golf. I've played, actually only played once last year. Sorry, twice last year, that was a lie. Twice last year. And I played once already this year, but I'm not very good at it. You're not? No. Are you like, better when you're sober or had a few? Uh, neither. Oh, it's just <laughs> yeah, all just round shit. rubbish. I just don't have the um, temperament for it. You've got to be really patient. And I yeah. think I can play good golf for you know a couple of holes and then as soon as one thing goes wrong, it's it's all over mentally for me and then I just start yeah, punching yeah. durries and <laughs> kicking back. I like four-ball Ambrose. As a, as a girl that doesn't play and I have to ask which club I have to use, I feel like... It is the best, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember we used to do golf days. I think either just the girls did it or we did a whole club one. That's been quite a while. But that was a good, like, club bonding. Because if there's four of you there, at least one of you is a half-decent shot. So everyone goes to that. 
Or know. like we would do little games at the tee off, so it made things a bit interesting. But yeah, it's a bit hard to play golf. I was playing um, Saturday morning competitions, but oh, so you played comp golf? Yeah. So, oh, so what do you go round in? What 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 do you like? So uh, I think my best was like eighty. Seven oh, oh yeah, no, you're shit. Yeah, yeah. right. God. But my worst was like 120. You know. That's my average is about 110. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we're on different levels there. Yeah, I but thought yeah. you I heard you were quite a good golfer. God. Once, oh, no, I'm not good. But yeah, once I had the second, um, once I had a second girl, and Frankie's now like my oldest one's getting older. I can't really warrant going to golf on Saturday no, in the morning, day, then going to footy in the afternoon, yeah. and then training twice a week, and trying to fit uni and all that sort of stuff in there as well, and work and everything yep. else. So. Yeah, it's a bit, bit hard, so I had to cut something, and that's what could cut. Uni, sorry, did you say? Yeah, so I'm doing, I'm nearly finished, so I just handed in my second last assignment, so I'm doing a grad certificate in asset maintenance management for work. Oh, right, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just started in October, I started doing my master's in business. So this will allow you to become a maintenance Man- manager? Manager, yeah. Yep. Inside Stanwell, would you be, is that position available? Yeah, so it's sort of just moving up the chain, so I'm, I'm not a lucky anymore, I'm... I'm a maintenance scheduler currently. Oh, one of them, the planners. No, not a planner, scheduler. But I've just been <laughs> yeah. seconded up into God. my new role. It's called critical projects facilitator. So basically, I'm the outage. So I run the outage and oh right, yeah, yeah. Plant. So, so you organise the labour. Yeah. Any outside scheduling work, work yeah. all that sort of stuff. Cranes if they're required yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that's only for four months. So while another guy does another job, but right in the middle of storm season. Oh, we don't care. Don't, you don't care? No, we don't care. They might get you else. anyway. Oh, it's... Storms they just push on hold anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not at Ergot anymore, remember? Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. So we just have one major shutdown a year, and that's what I look after. Yeah, so Stanwell, it's going ahead. Has it got um, upgrades in the so works just, or something, did I hear, or something? No. no? no. Or is it going to shut down? We, we will be <laughs> shutting down eventually. Um, I just got a medal for activity. <laughs> I'm a white chef for talking shit. Um, no, no, so we've just been handed out a $63 billion um, green energy plan. The Queensland government came out and actually Anastasia came to work and rolled it out, um, which includes like a couple of different um, solar farms, wind farms, pumped hydros, um, so big dams yep. with turbines in them, and a couple of big battery banks. So we're getting a big Tesla battery bank at Stanwell and at our sister station at Tarong. Down in Kingaroy. So um, you won't need much coal. Well, we, we, we'll be pushing that way, yeah. So the other, the other part of it, what they're doing is they're doing a hydrogen plant in Gladstone. She's yep. got Stanwell's fingerprints all over it. Mm. And we're also doing a, um, uh, what they call it, Faith it's called. So it's uh, basically a, every everything they've done in the green energy phase has been at like a really small household level. So they're putting in a, um, a big facility out at Stanwell potentially it's still in the draw card but to actually run these things at a larger scale to see that they're actually going to be viable so almost a viability study right so in your um capacity as a hv electrician eh? mm. what do you think of green energy solar farms i mean really um, aren't they rubbish no i mean solar on my house all right but solar hundreds of acres of good farming property have got solar panels on them that we can't recycle and we've got to get rid of yeah. and have think, a lifetime of about 10 years. So I think the key is versatility. 
So what Stanwell's done, and I'm in no way saying that Stanwell's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. This is just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, Disclaimer. Yeah, I'm not getting a promotion out of this. They've so. actually gone in and done the studies and seen where so Mount Hopeful is very windy during the day down near Bajul. Yep. All right. Blackdown Tablelands just out past Stanwell. Yep. Very windy at night time. So we're going to put wind farms up there. We're going to put wind farms up there. We've bought the properties already yep. so we're going to start building wind farms and we've actually just started the process of training our current employees to go work on them mm. um but what they're doing there is they're hedging their bets right you're investing in solar over here you invest in your hydros whatever for your daytime so and then you invest in your wind farms at night and day so you've got a, like a versatile if the sun's out you've still got your wind farms if the wind stops you still got your solar if that all goes to fucking shit like it did in South Australia a couple of years ago, you've got your batteries. Yeah. And so, being the devil's advocate here, yeah. wind farms, I've heard, yep. this may be on Facebook though, one wind turbine has a lifespan of 20 to 25 years and the power it generates doesn't even equate to the energy to produce it. Is that correct? No, that's not correct. It's not correct? No, is that just a Facebook fallacy? It's a Facebook fallacy, mate. It's the yeah. same with solar panels. Look at research. I know. Research, research is real good. <laughs> it's good to see. 2023, still no research. The good thing about wind... <laughs> I did that on Facebook. I researched yeah. Facebook. <laughs> the good thing about wind compared to solar is that wind doesn't take up a lot of space. You can still have farming land like you said around wind farms. They're just a spot in the middle of a fucking paddock. You go to... Um, what about you, the cancer? About the cancer? Oh, here you haven't heard that one? Oh, no. Haven't really? Oh, a lot of those um, wind farms, I reckon people get cancer from... Being nearby him, living nearby him. You haven't heard that one? No. No. Oh, you live such a sheltered life, Joel. What would what would cause cancer out of a wind farm? You talking about EMF? Must be the electromagnetic um, fields. Yes, must be them. Oh, here we go. Well, (laughs) actually, no. You probably you are down like sort of a path. So electromagnetic fields have been shown to change. So I can't remember what the study was called. But they checked electricians that worked in high voltage environments are more likely to have girls. Really? Because of the sperm count of something, or something changes from the EMF. So but well, you to... got two daughters. Exactly. <laughs> no, the the reason I got two daughters is you're more likely to have a daughter from IVF as well, because both of my girls are IVF yeah. girls. Because the um, the males, I think this is right, and I'll probably have to look it up later and make sure I'm right. But the male sperm are, are faster and don't have a big lifespan so they get in and they go and if you get get to the egg real quick that's the male sperm where the female sperm are more resilient so it's oh, more oh right so they'll so the, survive the IVF and they're bigger and they're more likely that the person doing the IVF will, will grab the more resilient looking the bigger yeah. sperm and oh, use right that right. So that's so interesting it is I actually years and years ago when I went to high school I think I was there the first year they brought sex education in, which we thought was a great joke, of course, because we didn't know what sex was. I think I was about 12. But they spoke to us about the male sperm and the female sperm, and they said, you know, ejaculation occurs, there's this race of the sperm, and and I got kicked out of class and got the strap for asking, oh, if it's a draw, does that mean you have twins? Which I thought was a legitimate question. Why would that not be a legitimate question at the age of 12? Yep. Yeah. You got the strap for it. Yes, I got the strap for it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a bit harsh, actually. You got the strap from Dad or from... No, 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 no. I didn't go home and tell Dad that story. I didn't even tell him we were doing sex education. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was one of the last people to get the cane in Queensland. Or the cane at the grandma. 
Really? Yeah. I would have thought that was well and truly gone. Well, by I only got it once. I'm, yeah, like, Robert got reported. They did, they someone Dad said, "Hey, you know, I was talking to Dad that. about it the other day, actually." No, I went home and told him. I said, "Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, it was school." I said, "Oh, gave me the cane." And he said, "What were you doing?" I said, "I was putting ouchies on people's seats." I think I was in grade ten or eleven. You know, the ouchies are yep. two stables to a Yeah. And what did he say? Fair enough. No, he said, "Righto." And the next day, I was at school. I was just playing in the space frame we called it, which is basically a big undercover area. And I see my dad walk through. And I'm like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just going to see someone. Oh, no. Yeah. He's walked in and he's pulled this teacher. Oh, he was actually, he was, wasn't the principal. He might have been like the assistant principal or whatever. He's pulled him out of the meeting that he was in, took him outside and said, you ever hit my boy with that cane again? I'm going to come up and shove it up your ass sideways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never even looked at me again. And I'm, yeah. I don't know how much you know about my dad, but his nickname's Strop. So yeah. yeah, yeah. When he gets angry, you know, you got to turn the windscreen wipers on too. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon he must have been pushing that teacher. I reckon that it, I don't know if it was ever a edit that come around. It was illegal or, or what? Yeah. But gee, that's late. That then. was late. Yeah, that yeah. was that would have been 1999, 2000. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. Holy, they were still caning then. Yep. Yeah, that's why I think really? that would be very. I remember yeah. it clearly because I had my wallet in my back pocket. Yeah. And the first time he hit me, I was sort of had a bit of a giggle. And he's like, take your fucking wallet out. <laughs> Pull my wallet out. Whack. Oh, across the backside as across well. Across the backside, yeah. Oh. Jeez, but he was nasty. I won't say his name. He's, he um, used to get you, like, just below the cheeks. Yeah. So, like, that top of the thighs region that's really sensitive. Yeah. We used to get across the hands. Yeah, oh, the old knuckles. Yeah. No, no, palm of the hands, a leather strap, yeah, cane right as well. And if they were really cranky, if they'd send you outside and wet, make you wet your hands first before you come in and got it. Then. I don't know, make it hurt more or something. Massacres, say. I think the worst thing I got was told, because I was running through the sprinklers at school. I got told to sit in the garden bed for a whole lunch hour to dry off. <laughs> sit in the garden? Yeah, to dry off. That was the worst thing. I, I think as Is I was leaving... high school or...? Primary school. Primary school. And then in high school, they brought in these like RTCs or responsible thinking classrooms yeah. or something else. Yeah, around, kind of they? like a big naughty corner. Yeah, yeah, they ask you ask all the questions. And if you ask, if you answer, it's like a, a stupid psych test, really. If you answer it correctly, you don't get yeah. punished. Like I never, they'd ask me all the questions and I'd reply correctly and never leave the classroom. So yeah. I never really taught my lesson. I think a couple of my boys went to a couple of them. Not that they were bad kids, but a couple of times and yeah, they knew exactly what to say. And oh yeah. Didn't have to stay there long at all. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't make it to the room. I just pushed my luck and managed to stay in the classroom and never had to attend. Oh, there you go. Nah. Can imagine you would have been a bit of a teacher's pet. No. So. No. It all depends. It's more so if I um, if I did all my work first, I'd then start being annoying to everyone else because that's like my report card. Perfect listening skills. Sounded like satisfactory. VHAs, HAs, listening skills. Megan tends to distract others. Yeah. Consistently. My brother used to get that on quite a few of his. Um, easily distracted. Then by the end of it, it was getting distracts others. Yeah. <laughs> so, coaching women is your only. Football now will be. Going to yeah. make a bit of a. No. 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 No comeback. No comeback. I um that game we played last year against Parkhurst towards the end of the year. Oh, against Panthers. Sorry, I got to stop calling them Parkhurst because everyone gets up me. Who's Parkhurst? Um, yeah, that that was my last game. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I got to play the last game with Turtle and Billow came up from Brazil and yeah. yeah. It'll be Turtle's last. He's had five or six last games. Yeah. With Turtle. Yeah. 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 And me too. But. That's it for me. I, I can't. Yep. I'm not fit enough anymore either. I'm too heavy. So 
it's just in a bad knee territory now again. Can yeah. still nudge a ball though. Can I'll, still give, I'll give, can I'll still give it, it to you. Yeah. But yeah, just the body's not there anymore. Was that the highlight? The nine goals. Uh, that was especially after actually, being dropped the week. No, sorry, you were dropped that sorry, morning, dropped, weren't you? You only got back that in. day. Yeah. So the, the training on Thursday, he. Are you came listening up to this, Tim Higgins? Yeah, you, Tim Higgins, you prick. <laughs> he came up to me at training and he said, "Oh, you're going to play Resies this weekend." I said, "No, I'm not." He's like, <laughs> I don't think he meant it as a question, though, did he? No, he didn't. But I said, "I'm not playing Resies. I'm, I'm not playing reserve grade football. That's not what I'm here for. I want to play ones, and that's it. And if I'm not playing ones, then I'll." I'm not going back to reserves to get hurt, is, was my mindset. Mm. Um, and he sort of had a bit of a giggle to himself, and I, I fully couldn't understand why I was getting dropped. We just played Yapoon, first game of the year, got pumped. I think the ball came down my end three or four times. Yeah, so, I, yeah, you probably yeah. didn't get a lot of opportunity. No, and I, I couldn't understand that. And then the next day, I think someone must have pulled out, and then he's rang me up, and he, yeah, do you want to play? I'm like, I suppose I'll play. And then, yeah, turned up and managed to kick nine straight. Yeah, walked off the field. And, oh, I walked off at half-time. I had five at half-time. And I said to his dad, Dale, I said, fucking drop me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would have been, yeah. Didn't get dropped for the rest of the year, did you? No, I didn't get dropped yeah. for the rest of the year. Didn't yeah. kick that many goals for the rest of the year, but... <laughs> no, but... Didn't get dropped. Nine, nine lasts a long time, I yeah. think. Nine in one game. So mm. what would be the highlight? Um... Of your sporting career, is there, is there something outside of football? Oh, uh, a lot of that stuff when I was younger, sort of a bit of a, not here nor there. Um, I played against, so I played soccer against the Brisbane Raw when they first started the APL, whatever it is oh, now. Yeah, yep. So they came up, um, I think it was 2005, they had, there was an article in the paper and they said, oh, um, basically the headline was just to, just to hear them roar, sort of thing, so yep. get them around the country and play a few people, so I got... Brad Smith picked me in an invitational team to play against them. I was um, pretty happy with myself. I think it was 1-0 at halftime. Goalkeeping, that's awesome. Like These guys were... Yeah. Would have been kicking them around, yeah. One of their players was a South Korean international and he had a shot from about 35 metres that I didn't realise was going anywhere near the goal till it was. And yeah, I only just got my hand to it. And I said to one of my mates at halftime, I said, oh, however many I let in, that's how many Smirnoffs I'll have because it's 18, 19, whatever. That's how many Smirnoffs I'll have after the game. So the final score was eleven nil. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, absolutely tower. Yeah, you that. would. Yeah, you would have been tower by then as well too. Yes. Is that Frank Farina would have been coaching then? Well, Frank sure, Farina was I the guy. Remember. I think. But um, it was pretty impressive, like watching those guys at that level. Yep. Like even though you know people say it's only the Australian Premier League, that's still a very very high level of sport. Then mm. oh yeah, those guys were just proper um, professionals, mate. Yeah, nothing bothered them. They're fit. It's just yeah, you can tell our professional athletes playing against amateurs, and, and that would have been the thing at half time. They would have said, "Right, out, let's put well, the foot down now." You sort of that first half of adrenaline, you know. You know, guys play out of the skin for the first half for our team, and for them, it's like a bit of a warm up, and then they destroyed us. Yeah. So yeah, I remember even pulling my hand out of the way of one of the shots. He he was probably yeah five meters in front of me. He's had the shot and he's hit it that hard. I just went, no fucking yeah. not at nine nil, mate. <laughs> you know that one. What do you think of the Soccer World Cup? I, I just watched the oh. last 20 minutes this morning. Yeah, it was good. I don't like seeing games decided on penalties. I don't. Yeah, I can't understand how you can decide something you have every four, four years, years on penalties. penalties. Yeah, so. But then again, I suppose if you just did it on extra time, it could be there for three days. Yeah. I had Brazil. I thought Brazil would win it. Um, not sure what happened to them. They sort of just fell apart. But 
yeah, good for Messi. Yeah, good for him to finish his career. Like you got the two, probably the two best players that have ever played soccer in the same competition. Neither of them have won a World Cup. Now one has, and I think that pretty much rules the um, yeah, the guy rules the roost now. Yeah, become just a bit of a spoiled brat, hasn't he? Well, he's just got. I think he signed a three hundred and five million dollar contract to go play in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, yeah. yeah I don't think anyone else wants him, do they? Yeah. One of the major clubs. No, he got dropped from um, Manchester. Yeah, he got dropped from his own team, and country. A lot of people left Manchester though too, didn't? Oh, he, he's just passed it. He's, he's they, they've never been the same since the big guy left. What's his name? Yeah. Alex Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Sir Alex. Sir um, Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. Just says something about exiting gracefully, doesn't it? You know. I think so. He's yeah. got enough money. Sure, he's. Uh, that's right. Money. And I suppose that's the thing, though. He's not. It mustn't be though. He's just signed that huge contract. But I don't think it's money now. It's. It must be the legacy, I think. I think he would be inwardly distraught that Messi's got that now. Yeah. And they'll see thinking, gee, Messi they'll think Messi's the best. But from what I can gather, Messi's always been more team orientated than Ronaldo. There was yeah. another Ronaldo, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, a, there was a Ronaldo that played for Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. There was, wasn't there? And he had the He's a different he had the little time, tuft he? at the yeah. front. Yeah. 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 yeah, so he had kind of a half a generation before or something. He oh, doesn't play yeah, now, he does he? Nineties. Oh was he? Yeah, and he's fat. Now. Oh, is he? Yeah, they played. Oh, oh, it might have been 10 years ago. They played like a charity game. They got all these old good players back. And, and that, if they can get him off. A big gut hanging over or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, he's done his time as a superstar. Plenty of cash, plenty of food. That legend passed away. Um, Pelé, Pelé, yes. Yeah. Still, a lot of people still rate him in their top four or five players of all time. Well, which I don't know how you do that. Like, I can't do that. Cristiano got the... Um, so he's not married to the to the birdies with and he's just been given an exemption because they live in Dubai you're not supposed to live with your partner unless you're married and they're not married he got an exemption that they can actually now live together yeah, really. yeah. so there is special treatment regardless oh, oh definitely sure. yeah. you've got the coin and yeah. you're ready they're tax free so yeah. yeah I don't understand that intergenerational comparative like saying that Pelé is the best ever or Ronaldo is the best I don't I, I can't fathom that like people talk about that with footy like AFL and they say oh Dermot Brereton was this and he was that and like well he, he might have been back then but he, he probably wouldn't get a game now you can't no. and like Gordon, Gordon Coventry those sorts of guys mm. you go back then and yeah I think it's just once you start going up through stages like we have where we went through wars and then we came back and now like the peak athlete is so much bigger and stronger and faster I mean yeah it's they were the best then yeah the best I, I understand that but by the same token Gary Ablacine is probably still the best. You could put him out there now, and I think he'd still be the same well, guy without... Someone said, oh, what if a training they had these days he had, but he didn't train, hardly. He was just raw talent. Yeah. Like, and he was built for football. Yeah, I agree. He, but the guys he was playing on were shit. No. They no. weren't good footballers, in compar- comparatively. <laughs> they no, weren't, well, and they weren't as big. So now he'd be playing on a 6'4", 6'5", backman that can run as fast as what he can. He'd still run for him. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I reckon he Big would. call. Gary Ablett. And this is, this is what I mean. You can never settle this debate no, because you can't right. do the comparison. No, I agree. You can't. The one that still stands out is Donald Bradman because for all the advances have been in, in that sport of cricket, he still has an average that is so much higher. 99.9. Yeah, 99.97. Even that, that's right. even that there, there's, there's other sides to that as well. Like they were playing with the ball that didn't have a seam. They didn't have the big portray, 
You know what I mean? Did they? Yep. Really? I didn't know that. You so sure? they didn't have the big stand-up scene that we've got yeah, now. Yeah, but they had uncovered pitches. They didn't wear helmets. They had bats that were this wide. They weren't, See, bo- I, so they many, weren't bowling in 155. No, yeah, either. but he was batting to the same bowl as everyone else was, and his average still stood above theirs. There was another guy, though, wasn't there, that, that was high in the averages as well in that same time period. Not as high as his. They might have, I don't think... Any, no one's ever got close to his nine, no, nine, I think nine, six. No but one else has averaged 60. He didn't play many games in comparison to how many games a player can play no, now No, he didn't, career. but he still played 52 tests, so he played more than, you know, more yeah. than a few. I think, yeah, you've got to have played 15 or 20 to even yeah. come in the comparison, I think. Yeah. yeah. But you've got right, over 100 yeah. innings. Is, yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. I average. think it comes down to the sport, because everyone has that discussion about NBA as well. Like, they start doing comparisons between Michael Jordan and, Le- yeah. and LeBron James. It's forever, Jay. isn't it, that one? But yeah. I think... I th- I think, ooh, I think a good example, uh, Mr. Olympia, right? Think of it this way. If Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. like he was a freak back then. Yes. Imagine if he had the technology and the understanding medically now of what they can do now versus what he was doing back then. If he had the ability to do that now, he would, like, turn that competition on uh, like upside its head. But the drug That's testing's another, better now. Yeah. I know, the drug testing is better now. But yeah. I'm just saying, but, like, but, uh, but uh, you can't tell me all those boys aren't... They're not natural. Well, I actually heard something the other day, and it was a pretty interesting. So there's a guy called um, Andrew Huberman. He's like a... Um, Is he Australian guy? No, he's American. He's a psycho-scientist guy. Mm. And he was saying that um, professional athletes, when they're injured in the NBA, are allowed to have a testosterone level that's around about four times what a normal testosterone level is. So if they're on an injury out... They can actually do steroids. Yeah. In the off season, they can do steroids. So all these big guys that you see, they're they're probably rakes when they come into their college things, and they just juice them. Um, yeah. Well, see, that's like bodybuilders are still using steroids, are they? Hundred percent, they are. I mean, the fact that there's a natural bodybuilding tile almost says oh, yeah. we accept that you guys. Are, you don't. I can't imagine people can get that big for some of those blokes without it. Like, yeah. Like. But most of them aren't for, for like, if you look at Olympia, it's not for the strength. It's for, it's no, for oh no, physique. it's definitely not a strength thing. It's a, yeah. it's a physique. It's a, you know, it is a. How well they pose has a lot to do with how well they look do. good doing it. Yeah. I, I've tried to te- like. Don't get me wrong. I go into the gym. I try and do some sort of tense thing and I thought I'm going to blow like my nose will yeah. start bleeding like because yeah. they're trying to smile breathe hold muscle groups together yeah. well that's all what it's about like that you'd see them do the big spread of the lats and that sort of stuff and you're like how do you even get your muscles to do that yeah let alone like mind control muscle it yeah. oh, it's un- unbelievable it's impressive I can watch that all day if, oh, once it comes out I'm just mesmerised the guy yeah, that bodybuilders yeah just the Olympia like I just think it's fascinating because I've, I've watched the process of doing the bulk, doing the cut, yeah. what they have to do leading up to that. I find that fascinating. It's a, a level of discipline I probably will never, ever, ever have. Hmm. And it's funny, you'll, like, well, Arnie's a case in point. You'll see him, you know, in his normal, I don't know, movie roles and yeah. that, and he looks totally different. Like, I mean, he's still a big man, but, mm. you know, like... You can't maintain that physique. Yeah, like, and, and that's yeah. the thing. They used to cut themselves something unbelievable. I reckon they're... Um, like they're almost dehydrated. Well, they are. But, they are yeah. dehydrated. Are. To get that so muscle, have, um, like, like a glass of red wine and stuff like that the night before to try and dehydrate themselves yeah. properly. It's all about the vascularity. Um, but I think that, that comes back to like this body sensitive stuff that we've got going on now. Like you look at Instagram and like one of the guys I listen to his podcast and he talks about he's fairly ripped. But he's like, I'm not like this 
for 350 days of the year. Yeah. It's like there's 15 days of the year where I'm absolutely shredded to do photo shoots or whatever, or promotions and stuff. Mm. The rest of the time I'm sitting there with my gut over my shorts like you guys, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, but we sell this whole, you know, this is what you should look like if you're fit. You That's should right, have an yeah. pack and pecs and whatever else. And it's not it's not achievable. And it's definitely not achievable for someone that's got a family and a, like a full-time job and that other things going yeah. on. You can't spend eight hours in the gym and be Chris Hemsworth. It's not sustainable anyway. Because I, no. I, I made myself a goal to be 10% body fat to see if I could get there. And my PT was pretty much like, don't go too low because hormonally you will just ruin yourself for a female. Yeah. Um, is that, is that, that's quite low, 10%, isn't it? Mm. Like, well, that doesn't guarantee... Like, I don't want a six-pack or anything, but I just wanted to see if I can discipline my food intake because yeah. that's my that's my weakness, that, and yep. drinking piss. Ten's really weakness. low for a woman. It's so very low Is it for low woman. for a guy? So, no. 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 I, I, yeah, well, it is. It's still low. So at about 10, you should start seeing like visible abdominal muscles. That's mm. that's when you start seeing that. So someone explained to me, everyone's got a six-pack. It's just, just not what's in it. front of it. Yeah. So when yeah. I was in Western Australia, because I was just working, going to the gym and just eating good food at camp because they had the whole healthy lifestyle thing going, I got down to 7%. Mm. At really? 7% at 95 kilos? Because I was just... All I was doing is walking up and down conveyors all day doing my cardio. Then I'd go hit the gym, have something to eat, go to bed, get up and do it again the next day. Mm. So Without getting too involved in it all I once read though that fat is stored energy yep. right now I, I realise yep. you can't store it forever it becomes cellulite I think if it becomes old yeah. fat. Like, it's hard to move yeah store, yeah, yeah. So, yeah yeah but but like Muhammad Ali greatest boxer of all time we'll say just for this <laughs> um, he never looked cut like guys do as you no. probably noticed and they said he used to go in there with a certain amount of body fat which probably was never measured in those days but that was his energy to carry him through which they used to fight 15 rounds Tyson Fury Tyson Fury yeah mm. yeah well huge man yeah. but he's got a lot of weight behind his punches and yes, to get into yeah. that zone but then you come back a few weight divisions and like look at the UFC for, for yep. instance you come back a few weight divisions and those guys have to be so lean because they're you know those guys fighting in the 80 kilo weight range are my size but they got to be 80 kilos for that range yeah. do you know what I mean and well, I suppose we, um, what I'm saying is, at seven percent body fat, could you go out and play a game of footy? Have you got the energy to get you through four yep. quarters of football? You have. Um, I think the difference. It's not Darbs. Um, <laughs> I think the difference back then too, like where I was, I wasn't. I was hardly drinking. I wasn't smoking, and my intake of food was all really high quality stuff. Mm. Like I was, I you couldn't go to KFC. There was no fucking KFC for hundreds of kilometres. So you, you had to eat what was at camp. Rio was doing their whole healthy lifestyle thing. Mate, if you wanted a steak every night, you'd walk down there and you'd say, I want a steak, medium rare, and they'd cook you one. So mm. it, it was the prime spot to Yeah, to that's when red meat was con- considered healthy. And then every now and then we'd have a blowout, like, you know, on RDO night or whatever, we might have 10 drinks of the wet mess or whatever, and, and everyone yep. just goes and passes out and enjoys their day off, you know, but... For the majority of the time, we were looking after ourselves. Yeah. Um, very lucky because I had a very young crew. We we're all mid to late twenties, so we weren't already in that FIFO camp, drinking every night lifestyle. But a yeah. lot of the guys were. But yeah, and but like I said, not maintainable. When that's all you're doing, absolutely great. Yeah. But no. I still didn't have a six pack. For I just way. wanted to get to ten. Just have it on paper. I was ten percent. But I think I got down to 14, and then that's when I made my goal for 10, and then I hurt my knee. 
Actually, yeah. did a um, proper body scan, like That's a CT the one you scan. Go, yeah, I want to do that. So what, my work rolled it out for us. Mm. They said, you, you don't have to do it. We don't see your results, all that shit, but you can do it if you want to. And I went in there and I thought, oh, I'm pretty fat at the moment. This was probably two or three years ago. I'll see what happens. Mm. And I think I was 16% body fat. And everyone's like, that's awesome. And then the guy came out to talk to you about your scan. He's like, it's not awesome, bro. He's like, yeah, you, you're 16% body fat. That's better than the majority of people. He said, but all your fat you're currently storing now is stored around your organs as what hard. What was your visceral? That's, that's what it was. Was it 16? No, my body fat was oh, 16. Oh, what's your visceral score? I don't Did know. I can't remember, but he said, like, basically, you're, you're skinny, you're not fat looking, but you're storing all this weight around your organs. Which isn't good. They work which harder. is the hard fat. Mm. And he said, you'll struggle to get rid of it while you're drinking alcohol. He said, you just, it just won't go away. You don't just burn it. Yeah. Around your organs? I thought it all went around your waist and your buttocks. No. Because no? No. there's a, the, the normal, the normal, yeah, midsection for me, and mm. that's because of all the piss I drink. Yeah. And I know that. I'm not going to give it up anytime soon. I'll just be in moderation. But that's the scans that, that says that my visceral's under, like, it's three or four, which yeah. is really, really good. But I've seen people who, it goes, on the paper, it goes to 10. Their score is past 10. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So where do you get all this done? Just you can get it done, like, ASN. Like, oh. they're, they're more so a guide. They're not 100% accurate, but gives you a... That's a stand-on one. Yeah. Great, they're not yeah. great, but they give you a, a guide, a, a, an idea of what you... Obviously, it depends on what you want to achieve as well, but... Yeah. Oh, I think... So, yeah. so, as a footballer, as you're not anymore, yeah. but you are, do you have to find a space between, as you say, you're bulking up and that, but you've got to carry that bulk for a game of football. Mm. So, is there somewhere between, we say, right out... This is, like, I remember Nathan Buckley, they had him bulked up. Um, and then near the end of his career, because he started having, like, hamstring problems, that they cut him down. Is there somewhere where you say, right, this is the correct weight for playing football? For I'm, me personally, I'm not... I'm, I feel like I'm built like a brick shithouse in comparison to some of the girls I play against and play with. But for me, I need to be around 72 kilos, and I'm kind of happy at, like, the maybe 16% body fat-ish, but I've played good footy bigger, yep. but my position was different. So yep. I guess, and the, the, how the game's being played. To compared to your walk-around weight, what's your off-season? I don't have an off-season. You don't? Mode, no. I just think more, I do the same stuff, just drink more. See, boxers used to balloon, yeah. and like you said, boxers are trying to get down to a weight to fight in that division, yep. but then, you know, they mightn't fight again for three or four months well, yeah. nowadays might fight for 12 months and they used to balloon way out which I well they said in the UFC some of, some of those guys after weighing because they do the weigh in the day before they smash food yeah they put yes. on three or four kilos yeah in the, in the day yeah that's what of water and whatever apparently mm. it's only of recent time they've yeah. I think there's 24 hours between the weigh in and the fight now yes yeah, so that's what they do it, they go and sm- yeah which you'd think you'd be carrying undigested food around nearly I'd have thought have you ever seen you ever seen in the rooms after a game of like AFL and they I think it was Essendon yeah Brendan Goddard playing for at the end there yeah Goddard yes Essendon yeah they scan into the room might have been after an Anzac game and they're all eating pizza and drinking coke and I was sort of a bit taken back from it and they started commentary started talking about it with one of the guys and they're like yeah we've got to get the calories back in them Yep. Otherwise, they get muscle wastage. Yeah, it's amazing how, and that's how all these sports science has changed. Yeah. And that's how people lose weight. For those who indicate their body, like their fitness journey on scales, they just see numbers go down. 
but their composition of their body changes. Yeah, totally changes. Yeah. So I I can I can drop two three kilos, but if I see my muscle mass go down, I'm really unhappy about that. Yeah. So I'd rather yep. lose weight in fat versus muscle because getting muscle I can build muscle quite easily. I'm genetically blessed, thank God, for my father. But yep. for those who find it so like any anyone who's skinny. They have to eat so many calories just to get large, and the minute they yeah, get sick, they drop it. Yeah, because you've got to have the protein yeah. to yeah. So build the muscle. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen. I think when my trainer came in, he he boxes, and he needed to drop, I think, like two, two to three kilos within twenty four hours. Like hit the sauna for an hour, um, ate low carb stuff, managed to get in the weigh in, and then after that, he then could eat. He could eat. Yeah. 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 So, See, oh, and he was like ninety. Oh no, he was over just a bit over a hundred. I think it was yep. at the time. See, even nowadays, we have to wrap this up soon. It's been wide range, but yeah. boxers nowadays, <laughs> yeah. from what I can gather, to cut weight, you know, before the fight, like two weeks out, they start drinking heaps of water. Now it used to be, yeah. they wouldn't drink much. They dehydrate themselves down. But now, talking to a few guys, what they do is they drink and drink and drink. Like two litres a day, I mean, sorry, about eight litres a day, yep. six litres the next day and all that to lose. Yeah, so to, your to body, the weight. If, you're not, if you're not hydrated enough, your body retains your water weight. Because oh, if you're not yeah. drinking enough water, mm. your yep. body says, okay. So, oh, so right, so, now, so you're drinking plenty of water, so it passes so it's saying, it through. Okay, we're getting yeah. a piece of water, let's get rid of some of this. Oh, right, yeah. That's yeah, see, that's totally different to what they would have done so, 30 years ago. That's the science. Ian Webster, you yeah. met Ian? Yeah, like, yeah. He had, I remember seeing him when he was cutting weight for a fight and he had this jug of water and every day it was just like, fuck this. Like, it just had lines on it where he had to certain yeah. points in the day mm-hmm. and it just, <laughs> you got to be really careful because I think about eight litres is good, about ten litres you can drown yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon, yeah. Eight litres is a lot of you water. You dilute your blood too much. Oh, right. Huh? Mm. I oh, love yeah. the, the science behind prep with sport these days it's so fascinating i remember like even when i was like shadow under 12s goalkeeper for rockhampton districts as a soccer player and we were told don't eat dairy within an hour or so before the game because the amount of energy your body uses to process like you know milk or dairy products it would you would just get die in the ass and then i found out like obviously i just i was like i wanted the ham cheese toasty so i still had one anyway that's why i was a shadow i guess and then I think last year or the year before, I started doing a food diary. And one of the trainers at Worlds was like, write down everything you eat and see how your body reacts. And if I had pasta, I was asleep in half an hour. I was like, okay, well, yeah, I, 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 I won't be, I won't be eating pasta before a game because it'll just knock me out. But it's a good food source the night before. But not that's to be the t- one thing that I was going to say. Back in the early '80s, we were told have pasta the night before because it's um, long-term. Plain energy. pasta for breakfast. Hey, is pasta. a common AFL diet. Is it? Yep. Plain yeah. pasta for breakfast. Yeah, Get up we're... and have your two cups of plain pasta and buy two thirty in the after you're ready to go. Yeah, well, we, that's when we were two, thir- two o'clock, we were having the Mars and the, yeah, and yeah, the Coke yeah, yeah, for yeah. the energy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was having a Nemo's at 12 o'clock before our game. Yeah. Yeah, this year, I'll last I can't, I can't play in with anything in my guts. So I've got to play it. Yeah, I, I don't think that can no. of Coke ever helped me. It just no. made me feel crook, actually. I and then I wouldn't eat after a game for three or four hours after either. Beer first? No, I didn't even like drinking beer straight after the game, so it wasn't my thing. I was just sort of like chilling out and relaxing a bit yeah. before I had a beer because I didn't, I didn't feel like I enjoyed it. Like, you crack it and you're still puffed and, like, I'm mm. fat and slow, but I'm still fucking tanked trying to get in there and, you know, just waiting a couple of minutes and then I'll actually enjoy it. But it was an interesting, um, what Nicole said about the best thing to have after a game of footy. 
is a chocolate oak. Who's Nicole's home? Oh, sorry. My sister. Um, oh, my sister-in-law yeah. came and did a chat with the girls last yeah. year. So the best thing milk. for your recovery is a chocolate milk because it's actually got the exact right amount of calories, yep. the exact right amount of carbohydrates, and the exact right amount of protein in it. Really? I can't think of much worse than milk Not after the game myself, but anyway. Yeah. Give, me yeah. a, give me a bottle of water. Yeah, <laughs> That's all exactly. I want. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this has been quite wide-ranging. Thank yeah, you very much. No There's a lot of tangents. There might have to be a part yeah. two at some yeah. stage just to fill in. But you still got it. Who would you like to hear from on Fresh from the Esky? Oh, I think Tim Borg would be a good oh, one. I was really hoping you would say that. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. I've been Tim Borg waiting really for Tim Borg. And I think he'll pretend he takes a bit of a convincing... But I don't think he... I think he's just waiting for someone to ask him. Really. Yeah, I think he'd be excellent. I think he will be too. You might have, he'll have to sit on this high chair though. Yeah, yeah no, so definitely on the, the high chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, wait a moment. Oh. Wait a moment. You're um, being gifted something, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. There's your pen I have a from pen. your guest appearance. There's Beautiful. yours, Charles. And there's your pressure from the Esky. Oh, I've been fanging for one, one of these caps. Oh, yeah. Oh, Thank you, sir. This is the best. No. I, but I actually felt really bad because so I miss Hojo's going away party. Oh, when yeah, he, when, he, bet, when he yeah. left. I'm not even mucking around. I'm ripping You're it over. You're putting it on. Of course on. you are. I'm not. I've got my hairs out. When I when I found out that I was going to um, Sunny Coast, I was so sad. I realised I'd mistimed everything. So I said, oh, I might make it to your thing. And then the reminder came up. I should have gone because I got a flat tyre in between Bundy and Maribor at 4 o'clock in the morning. So that was just absolutely <laughs> Don't tell Ben. He'll say that's karma. Yeah. Well, we're the only Freo supporters at Glenmore Ball, so... Is ben, Ben's not Freo yes, supporters, is he? Yes, he is. Oh, he is, yeah. what did you do wrong there? <laughs> he went from Brisbane to Port to Freo. See, in a space only, of about four years. See, I've only stuck with all one All three club. of the yuckies. Yeah, hey, I couldn't understand. Well, Brisbane, him? I could understand Brisbane. Support? He's a Brisbane Lions. I remember my sister sent me up a Brisbane Lions and a um, St Kilda. Because yeah. I'm St Kilda. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that as a kid. Yeah. I've been through enough myself with St Kilda. I'm not going to force anyone to barry for St Kilda unless they want to. And I wouldn't barry. If I had my time again, I wouldn't barry for them. I wouldn't barry for Collingwood, if I had my time again. Like, our family's always been the girls barry for us and the boys barry for Collingwood. And it's a, oh, really? Yeah, it's a fucking curse. I'm going to say, Anzac Day must be huge. <laughs> I changed it. I've said both my girls are barrying for Collingwood or they can pick the Brisbane Lions when they're old enough to make the decision. Yeah. Because <laughs> they will. They will pick the Lions. And well, they should. They're Queenslanders. Well, my kids picked them when That's they were me. successful, of course. You know, like, oh, yeah. Why wouldn't you? But now, now Tyler regrets he didn't take much note. Like, he, oh, no, I'd he sit did. him up here for the grand final. He'd want to kick the footy around the backyard. You might not see this. Yeah. I can't remember St Kilda winning. You know, that was 66, and I can't remember that. I don't know why I ever supported him. Wasted my time, but anyway. Oh, well, we've been in Cotton Collins, been in six grand finals since I. No, seven since I've been alive, and one, two. Yeah, actually, I was just reading the other day in the this since the turn of the century. Once again, Collingwood, I think, have been in five since the turn of the century, yep. and only won one. one. So the old Collywobbers will we be lost, starting to come round again. We lost two in what did we lose? Two in a row against um, Brisbane. Yep. One. Then we had the drawn one with St Kilda. Yep. That's the third lost one. Lost one to West. Then we beat Coast. St Kilda. That's the fourth yep. one, and then we lost to West, West Coast, Coast in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think. Geelong have been in six, six, and someone else has been in Hawk. six. Yeah, it might be Hawk no Hawk. Sydney. Sorry, Sydney. Sydney that's right. Yeah. yeah, and um, Richmond have been in three, one or three. Yeah, Frio's choked everything. So yeah, yeah. Why, oh. why? 
Why Frio? I've got to wrap this up, but why Frio? Why? I explain. I think I, I don't know if I went over this. I was kind of embarrassed. When I first joined for Glenmore, when you registered, asked what team do you follow, and I didn't know what teams were at the time were playing, and I like purple. So you just click Frio. Yeah, no, that's good enough. But I stayed with them. Like you know, when people jump ship when they go to shit, I don't jump shit. I'm a Titan supporter as well. Well, when you oh, start God, at yeah. shit, you can't go to shit. So yeah, but no. No, they had a couple of good. Anyway, well, no, anyway, I've got to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you very Thank much. You. We'll um, sign this off at that and put it in the can. Oh, my God.